0: Ultimately, in today's day and age, in the modern era of college football, if you can create matchups and you can win one-on-ones, you can beat anybody, which is why Ohio State coming into the playoff is arguably the most dangerous team to dethroning the Georgia Bulldogs. Always College Football with Greg McElroy is presented by at and 5G. Too much college football is never too much with at and 5G. Hello and welcome in. We appreciate you being with us. I'm Greg McElroy and it is the Friday edition. It's the eve if you will of the college football playoffs. We have so many games to look forward to today and we also have a million games to look forward to on the weekend and we got some games coming up on Monday as well. So we'll do what we always do. We're going to bring Chris the Bear Felica on board help break down some of these games from a gambling perspective and we're going to do our extensive breakdown of both semifinal game so I don't want to waste any time let's get to it it's time for let's talk about it presented by AT&T 5G all right the first semifinal game coming to you from Glendale Arizona should be awesome TCU taking on the Michigan Wolverines all right right now well at least the way I've seen this game from the beginning is I thought it'd be very difficult for TCU to be able to hold up in the trenches I just see it that way I think it's going to be tricky Okay, a few different ways, though, going back and studying it over the last couple of weeks, I'm starting to believe that TCU might, they just might have the recipe to be able to neutralize what is a very difficult run game to contain. We all know about Michigan. We've talked about them all season long. We know how dynamic their running back is. We know how dynamic J.J. McCarthy can be. And we also, at least I felt from the very beginning, that they have a very underrated set, of wide receivers. When you look at the wideouts, I mean, it's not like they are going to have the same level of guys as maybe Ohio state, but if you look at what Cornelius Johnson has been, you look at what Ronnie bell has been, what they can be if asked upon. And then of course, the tight ends that will also contribute Is a team that can flat out get after you offensively every college football season. Goodyear knows the importance of winning on the road. The road will always demand confidence. The confidence to handle whatever the journey brings and to perform under tough conditions. And just like the players and the fans of college football, Goodyear is ready. Are you ready for the road? Visit Goodyear.com to find the right Goodyear tires for whatever road you're on this season. Goodyear, more driven. This episode is brought to you by AT&T, official sponsor of the college football playoff. Is checking your team stats at 2 a.m., watching highlights while eating with buddies, or catching the game during a wedding all too much? Nope, because too much college football is never too much. And AT&T 5G keeps you connected all season long. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See at and slash 5G for you for details. When you think about it, though, TCU... We've seen them go up against a team that was extremely physical a little earlier in the year. That was the Texas Longhorns and all of us self-included kind of thought that, you know, it was going to be very tough for TCU that day when they teed it up against the Texas Longhorns thought Texas was physical, thought Texas had more physically mature dudes in the front seven defensively and that they would have, I don't want to say their way with TCU. I just thought that they'd be able to run the football with great efficiency against the TCU rushing defense that had been at that point for the most part unchallenged. So I think the TCU answered my question that night, and I went back and I've studied that game very closely. That game is almost exclusively why I think this game is a four-quarter dogfight. If I hadn't watched that game, if that game didn't exist, I am certainly leaning heavily in favor of Michigan in the game. I think they have good personnel. I think their visit last year to the semifinal game left a bad taste in their mouth, which led to them now feeling really good about what they need to do to adjust and alter their preparation so that they can have more success this next time in this environment. So I think that Michigan, having been there before, has a great, great advantage. But I did watch that Texas game. And after watching that Texas game, it made me feel even better about TCU's ability to lock down wide receivers and be able to attribute additional numbers in the run game that they're probably going to have to rely on. Let's talk a little bit about when Michigan's offense is on the field going against TCU's defense. First of all, we all know, at least I think most people now are at least somewhat familiar with what TCU has on the back end defensively. Travis Hodges Tomlinson, just recently won the Thorpe Award as the best defensive back in America, but he is, along with many others, really solid defensively for TCU. They have a handful of safeties: Mark Perry, D. Winters there at linebacker, but also is really athletic as well. Uh, Kamara, Bradford. They have a bunch of dudes in the back end that can create issues. For you along the front, Josh Newton plays opposite Travius Hodges Tomlinson and this secondary, of course, like most teams in the Big 12 is really, really good at the second level. I mentioned winners, but also you have Jamoy Hodge, two very athletic pieces at the second level in this unique structure defensively that's going to move and twist and that is going to kind of create guys that are going to become free hitters because they're going to dislodge from a normal blocking alignment. So I look at just how this structure, and I think Gillespie does a phenomenal job. I think their their whole plan is going to be, hey, we are going to completely sell out against the run. and If J.J. McCarthy can hit one of his wide receivers in one-on-one coverage against the best defensive back in America, according to a bunch of writers and a bunch of people that voted that won the Thorpe Award. And on the other side, you have another excellent corner and a bunch of safeties as well. If those receivers can win a one-on-one against those guys, then, hey, so be it. But I feel like they're going to completely sell out against the run, which obviously leads me to the discussion that we're going to have about the offensive line. Can Michigan establish the line of scrimmage with Olu Olabatimi and the great collection of offensive linemen that they put together. Remember, this is a team that's won the Joe Moore Award not once but twice, two consecutive years, the nation's best offensive line group. Ola Batimia just referenced won the Remington as the nation's best center, and the Outland, which is the big guy Heisman. So this is an accomplished and decorated offensive line for good reason. They are phenomenal. But this is a little bit different structure than what they've seen in the past. If you look across the board in the Big Ten, there's not many teams that are structuring their defense the way TCU is. It's a structure that's going to be a little bit more reliant on speed and athleticism as opposed to sheer bulk. In the Big Ten, you're going to see big 320-pound defensive tackles that are going to hold the point, and you're not going to be able to run it on them. That's just who the Big Ten has been forever. Illinois is that way. Purdue is that way. A handful of other teams are that way as well. Now, it's adjusted somewhat. Some teams tinker with different personnel, and some teams have a little bit more undersized, and all those things considered, But for the most part, in the Big Ten, you're going to find really heavy, really strong, really, really strong and difficult to move anchors in the middle of the defense. That's not what TCU is. They're going to move, they're going to shift, and they're going to create advantages and numbers because that's their only way to win. So when you talk about what advantages or disadvantages TCU may have, the way that you can neutralize numbers because you think TCU is going to put a lot of numbers in it, you can do it with quarterback run game. J.J. McCarthy is probably going to have a field day in the run game. I expect them to completely unleash him in this ballgame. I think he's going to have more carries than he's had at any point of the season. I think that Donovan Edwards is going to be an all-points bulletin priority for TCU's defense, and if they can limit what he does, a la how they limited B. John Robinson. Remember, Bijan Robinson had 12 carries for 29 yards against TCU just a little over a month and a half ago. If they can limit Donovan Edwards, guess what? That might open up the door for J.J. McCarthy to make plays with his legs in the quarterback run game. I expect that to be a factor. Ultimately, I think the most underrated group in this game is TCU's defense. But ultimately, at the end of the day, they're still fourth out of four when ranking the different units in this ballgame. I think they're really good. I think they're really underrated. I think they're really underappreciated, I think they do a rock-solid job. But ultimately, they are fourth out of four. Number one, probably taking Michigan's defense. Number two, probably taking Michigan's offense. Maybe maybe TCU's offense. I don't know. It's a toss-up. But ultimately, TCU's defense is going to be four out of four. On the other side of the football, the way that Michigan, I think, can ultimately lose the game is if they give up big plays in the passing game. How did Michigan just beat Ohio State? By creating big plays. Well, how could they possibly get beat by giving up big plays? And if you look at what TCU has been, they've been a group that has thrived on creating big plays time and time and time again throughout the course of the season. Now, so much of the credit is going to go to Max Duggan. So much of the credit is going to go to the wide receivers. Quentin Johnson, Tay Barber, Darius Davis, Savion Williams. This is a really deep, quality Group of wide receivers. Plus Jared Wiley with his length at tight end, they have good pieces on the perimeter that are catching passes. But the thing that makes this whole offense go is the run game. And I think the offensive line is extremely underrated. They're very athletic and they know exactly who they are. They can move and they can move in space. And that's kind of how TCU has been at their best in the past. Maybe not the biggest and strongest offensive line, but a very athletic offensive line that can pull and that can do pin and pulls and move and things like that. But Kendry Miller is the straw that stirs the drink. Him, coupled with the occasional pull in the zone read that Max Duggan will use, that's going to keep you honest so you can't completely sell out against Kendry Miller. Those are the two guys that are going to make this thing go. And I really think it's the run game that makes this offense dangerous because as soon as they're able to start running the football, guess what? You have to put a safety in the box and you get one-on-ones to the outside. And Max Duggan's willingness to be an addition to the run game forces you to play zone coverage because if you're in man coverage and you're looking at the wide receivers, guess what? You're keen on the wide receivers, they're running you off, and guess what? The quarterback's actually carrying the football down the field. That's what happened against, uh, against Oklahoma on a couple different occasions, and Max Duggan took it to the house. Ultimately, I think Michigan has great personnel on defense. We know that. That's been determined. They've had great personnel. Are they as good as they were last year? It's difficult to make that prognostication. I think they're very, very talented. I think they're very, very good. And I think they've done a really good job of adapting to their own personnel. But I do think if you can create some one-on-ones downfield and you can hold up in protection, that's the key. You got to hold up in protection. If you can hold up in protection, you should be in really good shape, especially as you try to attack this team off play action down the field. All things considered, and we're 10 minutes into our breakdown right now, I think Michigan's just a little bit too much. They're a complete football team. I love TCU. I think they are so underappreciated, and they are so underrated nationally for how physically they can play and for just, I think, the commitment that they have on both sides of the football. So many people are going to spend so much time talking about their offense, and rightfully so. It's a great group. But their defense is going to keep them in it. And I genuinely believe this game's going to go the distance. I expect it to be a four-quarter battle, but ultimately the Michigan offensive line and the way that they're able to just wear you down in the second half of football games is going to be too much for TCU to weather that storm. I like Michigan winning the game by about 10 points, but I ultimately think it's going to be close and within one score up until when Michigan puts the game on ice with a late touchdown run by Donovan Edwards. The Georgia Bulldogs and the Ohio State Buckeyes cap off what should be an incredible doubleheader in the semifinals on Saturday. Let's start with Ohio State. Where is this team mentally? You got to think they have a new lease on life. Everyone's saying, well, they shouldn't belong. They shouldn't be in. How'd they get in? All this. Who cares? They're in, and now they're playing with house money because nobody thought that they were going to be in this position, and yet here they are. I think when you look at what they are, is a team that has struggled at times against top-tier defensive personnel. But they have massive, massive firepower and unbelievable potential on the perimeter. And ultimately, in today's day and age, in the modern era of college football, if you can create matchups and you can win one-on-ones, you can beat anybody, which is why Ohio State coming into the playoff is arguably the most dangerous team to dethroning the Georgia Bulldogs. Let's talk a little bit about Ohio State, though, physically. We talk about the mental aspect of it. You know that they're playing with a chip on their shoulder, but here's the problem. The chip probably can't get addressed in the month that we've seen them. You don't get more physical. You don't get tougher. You might play harder. Who knows? But I would think that you'd play just as hard against Michigan as you're going to in a semifinal game. Ultimately, in situations in which you have to run it, can you run it? In situations in which you can't throw it, can you run it? In situations in which you have to protect your quarterback, can you? Especially against top tier competition. Those are the questions that have to be answered. And ultimately right now, I'm not sure I have a lot of confidence in Ohio State being able to execute those things. Now, we have spent countless hours breaking down just how good Marvin Harrison Jr. is. We've talked about how great Mecca Buka is! Amazing. Talked about how great Cade Stover is. I mean, we're talking about an elite group of wide receivers. Shoot, I think Fleming would be an All Conference performer if he didn't have to play and share targets with a lot of the guys that are in front of him. We're talking about a legit group that can take over every single game that they play in. However, games like this next are season on be presented by Dr. Pepper, and if they don't do a good job of protecting C.J. Stroud, they're not going to win the football game. C.J. Stroud is a phenomenally good thrower. But the problem is he becomes extremely human if he has to move off the spot. And if he is hit, which he doesn't get hit very often, but if he's hit, he does not have the same type of accuracy throughout the course of the game. And additionally, he's not a great runner. When he gets outside the pocket, He's not really a huge threat to break up a long run. Now, he's athletic enough to keep you honest, but he's not a guy that's going to cause you to burn chalk on the sideline because he's torching you with his legs. Now, if you had a guy that was super dynamic with the ball in his hands, a la Lamar Jackson, a la Justin Fields, a la somebody else that could really carve you up with his legs, that would be a really difficult thing to prepare for because now you got to play man coverage on the outside, But you don't want to play man coverage because you don't want your eyes off the quarterback. But with C.J. Stroud, let him run. Who cares? What's he going to get? Seven, eight, maybe ten yards? Either way, you're not going to give up the 60, 70-yard play, and that's ultimately how Georgia's probably going to win the game. If they force Ohio State to snap the football, and they force Ohio State to be methodical, I think it's going to be very difficult for them to be patient enough to work their way down the field in four, five, and six chunk increments. This is a team – in Ohio State, that thrives on creating big plays. And if those big plays aren't coming, they get impatient. And if they get impatient, they're in trouble. They got to stick to what they do, and it might not work initially, but you got to be committed to running the football. You have to be willing to try. And the offensive line. We've heard about just how great the tackles are. We've heard about how much money they're going to make in the NFL. We've heard about how this group is just big and physically imposing. Well, show me. I mean, we've, we've now waited for 12 weeks. And everyone can tell you just how great that group is and how they're going to maul you and all these other things. I have yet to see them maul an opponent, not one time this year. They're great in pass protection. They're very athletic, but they're not mean and they don't scare me. And I think that's a legitimate question, I think, for Ohio State, is if their offensive line is getting pushed around by Michigan, they're probably going to get pushed around by the Georgia Bulldogs. The biggest key for Georgia is Jalen Carter, a guy that has not always been playing at the best of his ability. He's been banged up. He's missed time this year. I think he missed five or six games, but in the last six games, man, he has been lighting it up, especially on obvious passing situations and knowing that Ohio state's not a real threat to run the football, knowing that they're not a great team running the football and the quarterback run game's not a thing. Guess what? Ohio state's probably going to have to do throw it. So what is almost every situation an obvious passing situation. Jalen Carter's going to be able to pin his ears back and come at the quarterback Over and over and over again. You look at the other pieces on the defense. I feel like so much of our time has been spent discussing Jalen Carter. Understandably so. He's phenomenal. He's the one guy in college football that nobody else has. At least right now. I mean, yes, there are great defensive tackles. Yes, there are great players. But ultimately, nobody has a Jalen Carter. And that's why Georgia's defense is one of the best in the country. Jamin Dumas Johnson has been incredible. Filling in there at the second level. Nobody really knew exactly what he was going to be, but him and Smile Munden, they're the two that kind of make it all go there in the middle of the defense. This defense is at its best when they have a massive difference maker in the middle of the defense. Think Roquan Smith. Think last year to N'Kobe Dean. Think about this defense at its best. Think about who's occupying the spot at money linebacker. Well, this year it's Dumas Johnson, and he's been as advertised all season long small Monday is going to be excellent on the other side. I think the best player on the defense, not named Jalen Carter is Chris Smith. He's been huge in big games and he's going to read the quarterback's eyes time and time again. And if CJ Stroud's not great with his eyes, guess what? The ball Hawk that is Christopher Smith will pick him off and will create big plays defensively. So I think those are the three guys that you need to be real mindful of when you're Ohio state's offense going against some of those quality pieces defensively. For the Georgia Bulldogs. It'll be an awesome matchup to watch Keely Ringo against Marvin Harrison. It'll be awesome to see exactly how they decide to kind of bracket the uh the slot receiver, especially if they're if they're getting Igbuka in some positions where they can run some option routes. How they bracket him and how they neutralize him is going to be a really interesting thing to watch as well. Ultimately, I think Ohio State has to be able to run the football and if they can't. It could be a long day for the Buckeyes. Moving over to George's offense, I think this is one of the more underrated pieces of this game. George's offense all year long has been terrific. Stetson Bennett has played phenomenally well here in his fifth year, sixth year, whatever year it is. He has really grown up this year, though. You look at what he was last year, he made a lot of great plays. This year, he is in complete control and has been from day one, he's accurate. He's athletic, but I think the most impressive thing about Stetson Bennett is that he makes off schedule plays. If a play breaks down and it's not exactly how Todd Munkin drew it up, Stetson Bennett can create on his own and make something out of nothing. That's a difficult thing to prepare for when you are a defense and you have a quarterback that can create when the play is lost and the and the defense wins. The quarterback can still make enough of a play to get you out of a jam. That's what he does best. I think Kenny McIntosh, Dejan Edwards and Kendall Milton, are they good at running back? Yes, they're excellent. They're all very, very talented, but maybe not as good as George has been in the past. They're not Sonny, Michelle and Nick Chubb. They're good, excellent, really good players, but not quite to that level. So I think this offense has changed its identity a little bit. They're not going to just completely pound you on the ground, but they're going to feature the run game like they always have. This offense really goes to the tight ends. Brock Bowers, who is their leading receiver in receptions and yards, and shoot, they'll hand it to him at running back. He's an, ex- he's an excellently, excellent, versatile piece that you can kind of put all over the field. Then you look at some of the other pieces that they have. Macintosh also a huge factor in the passing game as well. And then Darnell Washington, a guy that probably isn't used enough, but if they want to feature him, there's not really anybody on Ohio State's team that can match up with a guy that's 6'8", 270, that is pretty athletic and can be a factor in the passing game. A.D. Mitchell being back is significant. He's probably their most reliable wide receiver, so expect him to be featured in the game. And expect them to move him around and try to find matchups for him. Defensively for Ohio State, one thing that's been a problem for Ohio State in the past in games like this, I know it's a different defense, it's a different defensive coordinator, but it has been problematic with some of the matchups that have been created against their linebackers. The good news is they're very athletic at the second level this year. Steel Chambers and Tommy Eichenberg, both very athletic, but... You don't want them in coverage. Those guys are built to stop the run, and they're built to complement the defensive front that's going to move and be aggressive. This is an aggressive defense that wants to set the tone. That's what Jim Knowles is. But I would advise Jim Knowles because of the big play potential that Georgia possesses. I don't think you can sell out every single snap. I don't think you can blitz all the time. I don't think you can stunt all the time. I don't think you can move all the time. I don't think you can show crazy looks and disguise all the time because you might get burnt Stetson Bennett's a veteran you're not going to be able to confuse him the same way you might be able to confuse some young players and you're probably not going to be able to overload the protection because if your guys are unsound as they rush the passer Stetson Bennett and his athleticism can create next thing you know you have bad numbers on the back end I think the most important players on the defense for Ohio State are those two inside linebackers if Chambers and Eichenberg don't play well they're going to have a very difficult time containing This Georgia offense. Ultimately, we're making a pick here. I don't believe at this point the issues that have been presented with Ohio State's program can be addressed in the time spent from Michigan until they get Georgia. And just so you know, Georgia is a whole heck of a lot like Michigan with how they're built. But they have more versatile weapons offensively with the pieces that they have at both tight end and at wide receiver. Ultimately, I think Georgia wins the game comfortably, but I expect Ohio State to put a little bit of a scare early because Ryan Day is going to have a good offensive plan, and I expect them to score a couple points and a couple possessions early, but ultimately, Georgia will make the adjustments and ultimately pull away in the second half. Let's Talk About It is brought to you by AT&T 5G. Too much college football is never too much with AT&T 5G. He joins us every single week. He's Chris the Bear Felica. So grateful for your time, Bear. We have a Few games that we need to get to here as we put a bow on the regular season. Are you ready to pick some winners?
1: Well, let's see. I mean, bowl bowl season is always kind of tricky uh, with all of the opt outs, and you try and play amateur psychologists with the uh, with motivation. But so far, if you've been uh, heeding the advice that we were talking about uh, prior to all these games getting gone about playing playing dogs on the money line. Uh, you're you're doing pretty darn boom, dogs money line and then adjusted spreads. Uh, you're you're doing pretty well.
0: Yeah, I would say that it's been uh, fruitful to say the least up to this yeah. point. Uh, there have been a couple close calls too. Louisiana is still the one that pains me. Never the wrong side getting oh. plus two fifty or so, and for them to give that up late. It is what yeah, it is, but kick a hey, we never forget. Two. Do we? You kick field, I guess he's worried
1: <laughs> about. I mean, they missed the extra point and they had a backup kicker, but yeah, that <laughs> that one hurt, which was either a uh, uh, a push or a loss, depending on uh, when you, when you played it. I I, I lost with it because I had it at six and a half, and some people got to push at seven. But uh yeah, that 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 one that one stumped
0: it was a painful one, that's for sure. All right, let's 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 get started with the early games here. Maryland and NC State. I, Bear, at this point, NC State continues to be the, the little engine that could in some ways. It's like every time you want to fade them, it's almost like you can't fade them. They're just too right. good, and I just... I think they're great on defense, but there's too many question marks. I cannot lay the points, and I feel like Maryland's going to be fired up to be there. Last time we saw them in a bowl game, they went out and rolled. I just get the sense that Maryland's got a little bit more firepower and a little bit more consistency offensively. Well, Which do, way do you think?
1: Well, do they? I mean, you've you've got your two of your wide receivers sitting out, so you really don't know, and your tight end just transferred to Alabama. So it's like, I don't, I don't know how much offensive firepower is really there. I was actually uh, thinking about playing the, uh, the under in this game or maybe the Maryland team total under in this game. Uh, just because you look at NC State, like you said, last year, they didn't get an opportunity to go to a ball game where they did and it got canceled. Uh, it's a chance here to, uh, cap off a season where you beat your rival to end the year. And despite all the adversity and all the injuries, it's, it's a pick and game in, in most spots, maybe laying one, uh, But I I would look towards the total here and maybe looking, looking at playing under, uh, Maryland team total in this game and, uh, maybe just under for the game.
0: And 46 and a half is the number. I have we noticed anything about the, the totals bear. I mean, have there yeah, been more yeah. that have gone under? It feels no, like we'll, there have been quite a few that have gone under so far.
1: What I have noticed certainly has been a uh, first half under has kind of been the way to go. We've seen some, some scoring pick up in the second half of games, but for the most part, I, th- I think we've seen a lot of first quarter, first half, a, a lot of low scoring games again. You don't know if that's going to continue or if that's just a byproduct of the teams and the conferences and the quality of teams that we've been dealing with. Yeah,
0: that's probably fair enough. Uh, Pittsburgh and UCLA. I love Pittsburgh in the game. Uh, I know that UCLA, some question marks about whether or not who's going to play, who's not going to play, possible opt outs, possible late scratches. It's in UTEP. It's in El Paso, excuse me, there. So I always get the sense that the team that wants to be there the most is the team that's going to perform the best. And I get the sense that I'm going to get a little bit more predictability from Pittsburgh. Not that they're great and they're going to be at less than 100% as well, but I just trust yeah. them a little bit more, I think.
1: Yeah, down your best defensive player and down your starting running back and and your, what, your, third and your quarterback. quarterback. Right. And it's like, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm hearing that 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 Charbonnet and DTR are practicing and they're planning on playing um, so I'm going to lean with UCLA here. I know, uh, Pac-12 favorites have not necessarily been the way to go, uh, in these bowl games in recent years, but we did see, Oregon State right. put up a good performance, uh, against a, a, decimated Florida team out in the Vegas bowl. But, uh, yeah, I, 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 slightly lean to UCLA here. Initially going into the game, I wanted to bet Pitt. I was looking for any reason to bet pip, but I think the fact that the number has come down uh, from where it was at a high point at six or six and a half or so, uh, and it's down to five, five and a half in some spots. I think, I think I'll, I'll get you see a little bit on the cheap and hope that indeed uh, DTR and Charbonnet do play.
0: There you go, fading the steam. I like it. Fading the steam. Yeah, well, that's profitable. been. That's been. You, that's you're been looking for a
1: trend. <laughs> right. that the, uh, not chasing the steam has been the way to go. You, the, 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 they were betting Bowling Green the other day in, in, right. in, the, in the game with Detroit. Like that game was like they had tomorrow's newspaper, and we saw how that went. And, and then same <laughs> thing. We saw Louisiana close down at five and a half.
0: Georgia uh, Southern. Georgia, Georgia Southern, Southern and Buffalo I was
1: on. Uh, that, that 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 did not end well. And there was one other uh, game too that that, that steamed up uh big time as well that did not oh, uh smu and uh smu while yeah. there so like that's right not chasing the steam has been the uh the way to go so far
0: no there's no denying that all right let's move on to a game that a lot of people are talking about notre dame south carolina south carolina appears to be the hotter team at the point but mm-hmm. you really look at it without top running backs or without shaheem bell they, they played great in the final couple games of the regular season but it felt like they kind of shot their shot in that particular spot, I, I feel like you're going to get a flat spot here. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't love Notre Dame with Tyler Buckner under center. I don't. Uh, they just go to the portal, they get Sam Hartman. Like, clearly, they know that they have a need at that position. Mm-hmm. But I like Notre Dame, their physicality in this spot, a little bit more than I like what we're going to see from South Carolina. I just don't, I can't, I can't possibly, I just feel like there's too much goodwill right now on South Carolina.
1: Yeah, I, I think people are forgetting what they were for a good part of the year. And and I think what, I mean, you saw them pull a massive upset in the ball game last year. And now uh, here they are off of two big upsets. Uh, Can you come back and and win this ball game now against uh, a a team that is probably more, more physical up front. And uh, even with Buckner quarterback, I mean, can can Spencer Rattler lead this shorthanded offense one more time? Uh, I'm going to lean towards Notre Dame here. I'm going to lay the, uh, the two, so I'm going to agree with you. I, I think South Carolina has the the look of a very trendy underdog, slight right. underdog type play, and I, I, th- I think off of uh, blowing that ball game last year, I think it's a good opportunity for uh, Marcus Freeman and the Irish to get a nice little ball win before they've revamped their roster in the offseason.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. Wyoming and Ohio, this one, Bear, I know is certainly moving the needle for you. Oh,
1: yeah, <laughs> without a doubt. I'll, I'll, be, I'll, be there in, uh, yeah, I'll be there in Tucson with uh, – with with uh, big cat right. Isn't this the, uh, is the is this the barstool bowl at Arizona? Or do I have that? It is. Okay.
0: It is. I cannot justify under any possible significance to go one <laughs> side or the other. Uh, if I had to play it, I'd take Wyoming and I'd take the points, but I would not. I don't feel great about either side. Yeah. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, I, I don't either. Um, Wyoming's offense certainly is no great shakes, and Ohio has certainly struggled uh, with with the quarterback injury as well. I mean, that they did not play right. well in that in that MAC championship game at all, uh, offensively. Yeah, I, I got I got nothing for you here, unfortunately. <laughs> I, I, yeah, there are there are, what 40, 43 bowl games or whatever the hell it is these days. You this don't is down have to the play, list? And you don't have to play all of them. Just Sit back and watch, and maybe an opportunity will present itself in game.
0: Yeah, there you go. I think that might be the play. Uh, if you're looking for a little action, just take the points. Why not? Right? Well, <laughs> yeah, to right, I
1: mean, take. That's for sure.
0: One that's for half. sure. <laughs> exactly. It's next to nothing. But who knows? Maybe it'll come down to the gun. Uh, Clemson and Tennessee. Uh, I think it's one of the more intriguing games. I'm calling it. I'm fascinated by the, the matchup. I think Tennessee and Clemson, they're without some stars, but there's some good pieces stepping into some of those spots. So curious to see where you – Sit right here. Is it seven originally? Sliding back towards Tennessee a bit, about five and a half right now. Clemson's favored, so I'm not sure which side you're on this one, Bear.
1: Well, I laid four and a half uh, with Clemson early on, anticipating this number going through the roof, and it did. But it's come back down. I I have a hard time seeing the Tennessee money uh, in in this situation. Uh, With your backup quarterback, you don't have uh, your your wide receiving core. Uh, yes, it, it, Clemson has some opt outs as well, but you're probably better off the quarterback position than you were, uh, now with Club stepping in there. And while a lot of their defensive guys are uh, sitting out, they still got defensive stars waiting in the wings. Like, like, like they're, they're deeper. Uh, I, you, you know how Dabo is. You, you, right. in, in, in a, in a down season. He could spin this. Is up down season? Clemson still wins eleven games, wins the ACC title, uh, wins the Orange Bowl. Like, that's a pretty darn good down. You, you, you know how he's going to how he's going to spin this. So uh, Tennessee with those opt outs and any. I know I know Gol-Golish is is gone now as well as he's taken a head coaching position. But at the same, I, I don't think the the playing calling is going to suffer necessarily because uh, Josh Heupel is more than capable of of doing that. I just wonder about Joe Milton being asked to beat this team uh w- with his arm how is that gonna uh, how's that gonna go so i laid four and a half at the open with clemson and and, and i feel pretty good about that at least beating the
0: close should be interesting that's for sure iowa and kentucky lowest total on the board bear opened at 30 and a hook up to a strong 31 <laughs> uh <laughs> i don't know how you can justify taking the over i'm taking the under in this game, and if I had to take it, I'd take Iowa. But I, I don't feel strongly about it either way.
1: Yeah, I always get worried about, and I think we've talked about this, I know I have, uh, ad nauseum with a bunch of other people about taking um, teams, taking taking teams that open up as a dog and close as a favorite, and, and that's ultimately what happened here. Now, obviously, it's because Wolibus has opted out for Kentucky, and right. we don't know how their offense is going to fare without him or Chris Rodriguez at running back as well. So I also would lean towards taking Iowa. I know laying points with the Hawkeyes uh, <laughs> it seems like it's something that you wouldn't want to do uh, given their offensive problems and you're without the port of the tight end. But you know at the very least you have all those guys on the Iowa defense who are playing uh, in th- this game. So you would think that that defense will be motivated to – to go out and shut a Kentucky offense down that I think is going to have a lot of trouble scoring points. So maybe maybe the play is just Kentucky team total under here. Uh, if if you're, if yeah. you're looking to – if you're unsure about the game total or you're unsure about delaying or taking points, uh, I can't see Kentucky putting up a whole bunch of points in this game at
0: all. What do you think it'll be? A, I mean, it's going to be 13 Yeah,
1: I was going to see you. are you, probably looking at 14 and a half or something like that for right. Kentucky team total. If yeah. it's, if it's uh, 31 and a half, you're looking at 17, 14 type of game.
0: Yeah, there you go. That's probably about right. Uh, Let's do the Sugar Bowl before, and we'll put the semifinal games at the back end. So let's do the Sugar Bowl first, though. New Year's Six Bowl game. Alabama, of course, opened as a slight favorite. That line steamed as soon as Mm -hmm. you get news that both Will Anderson and Bryce Young will participate. I have a tough time seeing Alabama losing this game. I I think that they're the more talented team. Mm -hmm. And I feel like every time Nick Saban's doubted in this spot when it's a real culture test, they seem to pass it with flying colors. I'm not sure if you feel the same.
1: They have recently. Uh, I think that that Utah loss and, and that uh, unfortunately, I, I don't need to bring that up. But but I think
0: <laughs> I didn't start that game. No I, worry. I, I I'm not, know, I'm not I know, too right? offended. I get, well, I, I, exactly. <laughs> I was, but you
1: were, It was you. It was kind of there. You were there. You're on the team. I was there. So, so it's, it's it's like <laughs> I, I think since then though you saw the. You saw the Michigan State game. I think it was in the outback, in the, it's in the uh, Citrus Bowl one year, they came out and absolutely annihilated Michigan State. Uh, they came out the one year against Michigan and absolutely annihilated them. I, I think in recent years, we've seen that. And look, I was concerned about, about, about Will and Bryce not playing and soon I wanted to wait. Uh, I was assuming that they were not going to play. And how great is it as a college football fan and someone who loves the sport? to see these guys play yeah like, like we're so used to like okay yeah they're gonna opt out they're not gonna play they're gonna save themselves the draft and here they are playing i mean if the meaningless sugar bowl is good enough for two guys are they gonna go in the top five of the draft next year you know what any bowl is good enough for any player so right. like I, it's great to see them play and because of that i agree like i can't see them losing this game I can't see Kansas State putting up a bunch of points. Uh, I do think Kansas State could give them a little bit of trouble with that pass rush. Uh, yeah. The offensive line has been a little bit of a, of a weak spot for them from time to time this year. But, yeah, yeah w- w- with Will and Bryce playing, I have a hard time seeing Kansas State as good of an underdog as they've been in his physical and as great of a season as they've had. I have a hard time seeing the Cats pull the outright upset
0: i'm with you I, I think that they'll run the ball i think they'll score i, I kind of like the over two in the game frankly it's a 52 and a half or so uh 56, no, 56 now more recently that's where it opened yeah now it's up to 56 after the news the price and those guys were going to play so i kind of like the over there but it does feel like a lot of steam that's for sure uh let's go to the games on the second before we go back to the semifinal mm-hmm. games let's start with Minis- mississippi state and illinois uh started mississippi state's life favorite now it's about a pick them kind of a toss-up either way i i kind of lean mississippi state there without a couple players obviously offensively but i feel like with mike leach's passing and just the inspiration that he has kind of left that team with i I would just be very surprised if they didn't come out and play well they also laid a massive egg in the bowl game last year Mm -hmm. so i get the sense that they have probably been told all bowl prep like hey man don't be like last year don't be like last year and i think they'll perform well and illinois I'm not as sold on them without Chase Brown. Without Chase Brown, I think they're very human. So I kind of like Mississippi State in this game.
1: And a couple of their uh, uh, secondary guys are out too, which in theory you would think would uh, be a hindrance against a team that's going to throw the ball 55 times, you would assume, uh, (laughs) in this game. I'd lean towards the under because I agree. I I don't think Illinois – uh, is is going to score a ton given their offensive deficiencies. Uh, I still think the Illinois defense will be good enough to get their fair share stops. I will say, what the, your reasoning behind liking Mississippi State is good, and it's very rational. But I also think that's the way everybody everybody's kind of like, approaching this right. game. <laughs> right. So don't let that be the only reason you like Mississippi State in this game. Is it, because of the emotional and wanting to uh, win one for their de- departed head coach, uh, who unfortunately passed away a couple weeks back. Uh, it, 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 like the matchup, like the fact that Illinois is down, some guys, all that. Just just be careful. If that's the only reason uh, you're, you're going to go on the uh, – side of the Bulldogs in this game.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's good advice for sure. Moving to the Cotton Bowl, uh, Tulane and SC. I can't in good conscience take SC. I'm taking Tulane. No. I think SC is more talented. I mean, I just, I, I don't know how you can justify taking SC right now. I just can't. No.
1: No, I, I can't either. I mean, I mean, I mean, yeah, Caleb Williams will probably play, and uh, w- we probably won't know for sure. I mean, right. Lincoln Riley is not exactly the most forthcoming of, play- of coaches with uh, injury information, but we can assume that Caleb Williams will play what a month after injuring his hamstring in the Pac-12 right. game. But but this is also a team without a couple offensive linemen. Uh, no, no, Jordan Addison, like they're, they're and their defense has been terrible all year. I mean, Michael Pratt's a guy who can run and throw. They got a good running back as well. And this is a team that went on the road to Manhattan and beat, what, Kansas right. State 17-14, I think it was. So this is not like your throw-it-around, gimmicky right. Memphis group of five team that has no defense. Like, they can get stops. No, they're physical. And uh, you know that they're, they're the motivation here will be extremely high if, if, if Tulane can, can look to win a ball game over a program with the stature, stature of USC. So, yeah, I'm, I'm on Tulane here with you as well.
0: It would be enormous for their program naturally. Purdue and LSU, everybody and their brother on LSU, I don't know how you could justify you taking Purdue. Uh, you just can't. I mean, I just can't lay two touchdowns, though, either. <laughs> I mean, it would be no, a the thing you do, you, you, you to mean, swallow.
1: I mean, again, we were talking about uh, Ohio and Wyoming and, and, and not – just betting it, like this is another one where uh, if you got in at six and a half or seven or seven and a half before the multiple waves of Purdue uh, departures came in, and that's another thing too about Illinois with Ryan Walters now uh, departing Illinois and going right. to Purdue as the head coach. Like That's another uh, factor in that game we previously talked about, but it almost feels like Purdue kinda knows what's coming. Yeah, you Man. hire Drew Brees. It's like this PR type move to be a special assistant in this game. Uh, LSU, the year that they had, you beat Alabama. You go to the SEC championship game, and now in Brian Kelly's first year, you can yeah, you, you, you can you can win a New Year's Day ball game and have a bunch of guys coming back next year, and and, and there will be a buzz. Uh, about the Bayou Bengals next year. But again, I can't lay 15 or 14 and a half, whatever it is now. I'm just going to, I'm just going to sit and watch this one and, <laughs> uh, I have I have an LSU money line part a ticket in a parlay so that's that's all I'm going to sit back and root for.
0: I think that's a good move. Uh, finally, the granddaddy of them all, Utah and Penn State. Before we get to the semifinals, I, I like Utah in the game. I I think Penn State's really good. I'm actually been a believer in Penn State from the beginning. I think they're you better have. on defense. People give them credit. Like I like Penn State. I have, but for whatever reason, I feel like Kyle Whittingham in a bowl game. Knowing that last year was a seminal moment to get to that point. Now I'll get the chance. I know Dalton Kincaid being out is significant. Massive. But e- either way, I think that they're going to have enough offensively to be able to create some issues. And I think Penn State, if they're down in the secondary, the way I anticipate them being down, I think there's going to be opportunities through the air for cameraizing companies. So I like both these teams. I just like Utah more than three points better. I think a two and a half, under three, I got to take it, even though that feels like the public side.
1: Yeah, I'm actually on Penn State in this game. I think their defense, even without without Porter, will will show up. And I, I, I know there are some people just simplifying this handicap as Cam Rising and Kyle Whittingham versus Sean Clifford and James Franklin. I mean, people are simplifying it to that. But I, I don't know if you can really do that. I, I think the way Penn State – look, I think there have been a lot of questions this year, and rightfully so, about how good is Penn State. Like, really, what's there? Their best win, they got blown out by Michigan and then uh, had an uh, an abomination of a a fourth quarter against Ohio State. But but I kind of like Penn State in this game. It's an opportunity to get a marquee win. They got to the Rose Bowl, what was it, five years ago or six years ago. Came up just short against SC in that great game when they probably should have been in the playoff that year. Uh, I'm actually going to take the points here with Penn State. uh, And I give them a good chance to uh, obviously uh, win outright.
0: Uh, TCU and Georgia, let's start there. Georgia, TCU in Georgia. TCU in Michigan. Excuse I'm me, p- TCU in Michigan. Uh, well, well, I'm just fast forwarding to the national championship, okay. and I am not tipping my hand because I'm taking <laughs> Michigan. Uh, but seven and a half points feels like a lot. Uh, I I understand people are going to say, well, t- can TCU hold up in the trenches? Is TCU can they match them physica- physically? All these other things. Well, what did they do against Texas? I mean, they like when people questioned and doubted their ability to hold up against a quality run game. What did they do? They did pretty dang well.
1: I don't like the game really at all. I'm, I'm kind of looking for every reason possible to like TCU and take TCU plus the points here. I just ultimately don't know if I can do it uh, because I do think there's a possibility of Michigan doing what they did to Ohio State and kind of wearing a team down, getting a couple of long runs in the fourth quarter and, and pulling away late, kind of like what they, they did against Purdue. Uh, is, well, I will say this. I I might look towards a TCU team total over in this game uh, because I think they have opportunities on the perimeter with some of the players that they have uh, to get matchups and and create some points in in, in this game. So I, I, I don't love the side or the total but i might look at a tcu team total over because i i, I do think this game unlike i know you said you like the under i think it does have a possibility of being a higher scoring game than a lot of people anticipate
0: i like that all right good to know uh and then finally ohio state and georgia this <laughs> will be saturday night there in atlanta uh georgia right now a as of this instant six a, and a six and a half point favorite Six and a half, um, I, and
1: 62 everywhere.
0: Yeah, it's all over the place. I, This one, I'm, I, it's a stay away for me because I like Georgia, and I think they can create a lot of issues as far as the protection is concerned for C.J. Stroud. And if the pocket isn't good, he is not the same guy. Plus, I think the weapons on the outside are excellent. And I think they're probably the best weapons that – that Georgia's seen all year. So I can see advantages in which Ohio state can create, but I also think that there is a real, real question mark about them being able to keep their quarterback upright. I can't play the game in good conscience, knowing the numbers right around seven. Do you have a lean in this one?
1: And it's one way traffic too, with everybody laying it. So it's like right. that, that, that like when, when I see in here that I automatically look for any reason to take uh, the, the underdog in this game. And maybe I still will, um, I mean, we, a month ago, we we're talking about this game being close to a pick'em, or maybe it's Ohio State power rated uh, higher than Georgia. Uh, I do think one thing that will y- you hit on it, the protection for whatever reason, I think from time to time when Kirby Smart and that defense faces a quarterback with the ability to run. I mean, going back to Alabama, you saw him as a defensive coordinator. Uh, the issues give Alabama's defense problem. And I think it's been the same thing at Georgia, like for whatever reason, uh, they, they have to scheme a little bit differently or they do scheme differently with CJ Stroud. There's no threat of a run, right? Uh, I think that's going to allow uh, their their defense to bring a lot more pressure uh, and, and kind of mess that pocket up someone. Like you said, when, 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 you, when he's scrambling around, that, that, that's not when he's best. He's looking to get that ball out and get that ball to his playmakers on the outside. And if he does not have time to do that uh, and he's getting hit, uh, that that's that that's a big deal. I think getting A. G. Mitchell back uh, is a big problem. And remember, a couple of years ago in the National Title Game, how uh, Sark just did an unbelievable job. Uh, drawing drawn up some plays and, and getting mismatches and somehow getting Devontae Smith on tough Borland. Like, like yeah. that's a, and look, I know Jimmy Knowles was brought in to solve these defensive problems and they've been better, but they still have problems. And, and I can just picture either Donald Washington or Brock Bowers just getting matched up uh, against Ohio State's linebacking core. And, and that's a big problem. So it's almost like I'm looking for every reason to be contrarian and take Ohio State, even though Occam's razor is right there in front of me, that that is the better (laughs) team and the right side. It's like, it's like, just keep it simple, stupid and just take Georgia.
0: Yeah, it's, I understand what you're saying, though. It's difficult to pull the trigger, especially knowing that they're giving away that football number mm-hmm. of seven. <laughs> it's just exactly. it's hard to do it. So, Bear, great stuff as always, my friend. Good luck playing this week and weekend, and we will Thank have you, you back next week. We'll talk a little prop bets before the national championship. We certainly we
1: will. I'll look forward to
0: that. All right. Thanks, buddy. Take care. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem, call 1 800 Gambler. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Hey, thanks for being with us. It's been an awesome show today. Appreciate Chris the Bear Felica for joining us. Always fun talking about some of these games from a gambling perspective. Of course, gamble responsibly because goodness gracious, it's tough in some of these bowl games. But the semifinal games have been a little bit more predictable. The last couple years that's for sure so we hope you enjoy the games today make sure you watch the orange bowl tonight i'll be on the call it should be a lot of fun there in miami it's going to be a blast tennessee against clemson so check that out look forward to hopefully having you guys with us to help set up what should be an incredible weekend of college football for all of us here at always college football for mark kubiak i'm greg mcelroy we hope you have a wonderful day and remember always college football is brought to you by at&t 5g Too much college football is never too much. Hey guys, it's Greg McElroy. Thanks for watching Always College Football. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to ESPN's YouTube channel and wherever you listen to your podcast.